Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 2 Samuel, chapter 1. And if I could give chapter 1 a title, it would be True Healing. True Healing. And we're going to do as we always do. We're going to take just a second and give you a little bit of an intro as to what this particular book of the Bible is about. We're going to jump into the text. But as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a comment down below and let us know how you're interacting with God's Word. If you listen to the podcast, you are always my favorites. I love you so much. Make sure you're leaving us a five-star review. And as always, we all gather together at the Facebook group, Bible Breakdown Discussion, where they're doing an amazing job just leaving us some different devotions, different looks at it. And I'm telling you, the more we dig, the more we find. And we're digging down and finding some great stuff on the Bible Breakdown Discussion Group. So make sure you go there. Well, if you have your Bibles, you want to open them up with me to 2 Samuel chapter 1. We'll go ahead and tell you that this particular book of the Bible, there's going to be some stories in here that you have likely heard before. So if you've ever went through the Bible and you've went through Bible stories and stuff like that, there are going to be some stories in here you've heard, but a lot of these you've probably never heard before. A couple of exceptions, but some things we may not know about God's Word. So I want to give you a little bit of a background, and we're going to dive right in. First of all, if you have ever read through First and Second Samuel, you're going to understand that there is a continuity here. And as we told you back when we covered First Samuel, that First Samuel and Second Samuel was actually originally written as one complete book. And then when they came through with the Septuagint version, a little bit later on, and it was written into Greek, they divided it into two just so you could kind of get your head around it a little bit easier. And it was likely written by a guy named Samuel, who was the last judge of Israel. At least a portion of it was. As you can obviously tell, about three-quarters of the way through 1 Samuel, Samuel died. <laughs> so he's not, he's not writing it from beyond the grave. And so the first half was written by Samuel. And then the later parts were written by a guy named Gath and possibly by a guy named Nathan, which we'll meet a little bit later on into this story. And also, as we realize that some of this stuff would have been written down by them, but it was finally compiled toward the end of the reign of the kings. And as we talked about in 1 Samuel, and if you want more details on this, you can go back and listen to the intro to 1 Samuel, that there were really two different you know, groups of books that were written to chronicle the nation of Israel's time with kings. You have 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Kings. 1 and 2 Kings is just like 1 and 2 Samuel, and that is it was originally one book. And what, these, what happened was these were all compiled, first written by you know, portions by Samuel and by Gath and by a guy named Nathan, and eventually it was all compiled right about the time that the nation of Israel was conquered. So eventually what we're going to find is as prophets rise up, they start telling the nation of Israel, if you don't turn back to God, then it, things are going to get bad. Well, eventually they don't turn to God and they are conquered by invading armies. And when all this is happening and they are being taken off into captivity, people are asking the question, how did this happen? How did we fall from the grace of God? And what they're going to do is, is they compile together these stories that talk about what the kingdom looked like and how far it fell, which led to it. And so we're actually going to look at, over the course of 2 Samuel, the height of the Israeli kingdom. 
Now, there's a lot of good things that happen in the reign of Solomon, but it all starts with the reign of David. So this is going to be the high point, and then it's going to fall off, and we're going to see in First and Second Kings how everything kind of goes south from there. But then First and Second Chronicles, we'll get to eventually, is at the end of their captivity. For 70 years, they were in captivity. On the front half, they wrote this book, First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, talking about how they got in this mess. And then on the back half of that 70 years, they compile First and Second Chronicles, which talk about what do we do from here? How do we see God's redemptive plan through it? And so we're getting in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, we're getting more of how a nation can go wrong. <laughs> but before it can go wrong, it's going to start really right. And that is what Second Samuel is mostly concerned with. The main person in Second Samuel is David. If you've been with us when we were going through First Samuel, we realized that at first the nation of Israel was a collection of tribes, and then eventually they formed into a kingdom under the first king named Saul. Saul disobeyed the Lord, and the anointing to be king was stripped away from him and given to David. Well, Saul found out about it, and he started hunting David like a fool. I mean, he went after David. And eventually, things end up happening, and Saul dies. We're going to see that in chapter 1 in just a second. And David finally becomes king. Well, over the process, David becomes king, and he begins to rule, and we get to see what God wanted for the nation of Israel. And since David is a central figure, there's a couple of things I want us to look at when it comes to this. First thing is to realize that King David and the kingdom of Israel is foreshadowing for King Jesus and the kingdom of God. Now, David's not perfect, and so it's not a complete comparison, but it's the idea that if you follow God and you do what you're supposed to do and you're to honor God, then he will make your path straight before you. And he's a foreshadowing of the future king, Jesus, which, of course, Jesus is going to be perfect. And then also you see that under righteous rulership, the kingdom of Israel thrives. Well, as we submit ourselves to the lordship and kingship of Jesus, our life thrives, even in adversity. Other thing to realize is that David is good, but he's not perfect. So he's going to make some major mistakes, which is so important for us to realize because of the theme of the entire book. I think the best way to think about the theme of 2 Samuel is this, God qualifies the cult. God qualifies the cult. When David was born, he was born into just an ordinary family, and he was the least of all of his father's household. He was the youngest, and he was just a shepherd. But this shepherd is now becoming king. What qualified David to be the king? God chose him. He didn't have all the qualifications. If he did, they were raw and untested and untrained. But over the course of years, as we read through 1 Samuel, God slowly develops tools, things, ideas, character traits through time and trouble and perseverance. And now it is time for David to become king. God qualifies the cult. And God has an amazing promise for David. And I think it's an amazing promise reflected in what God wants to do in us. And so the theme verse for 2 Samuel is chapter 7, verse 16, when it says, Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne will, shall be established forever. And what I love about that is God establishes an eternal covenant with those who are his and he's with us always. That's what God wants to do in our life. Our job is to follow him with all that we have, and then he does everything else. And so if you don't get anything else out of this, we're going to hear this all the time. God qualifies the cult. When God is for you, 
Everything is going to come against you, but nothing is going to stand against you because God qualifies the called. And we're going to see what happens when an ordinary nobody gives himself to the Lord, goes through the process of preparation. Man, God's able to do amazing things. So let's get started with 2 Samuel chapter 1. Let's look at what happens. As we're going to see, if we remember from the end of 1 Samuel, there was a great battle. And in that battle, Jonathan and the other two brothers that were the sons of Saul are slain in battle. Saul is also massively wounded in battle. And when we left them at the end of 1 Samuel, they had died and everything is in disarray. Well, now we're going to get the rest of the story, what happened in the battle. And we're going to see God has taken David on such a journey that watch how he responds to finally getting victory over his greatest enemy. Let's read this together and see what God's word would say to us in 2 Samuel chapter 1. After the death of Saul, David returned from his victory over the Amalekites and spent two days in Ziklag. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's army camp. He had torn his clothes and put dirt on his head to show that he was in mourning. He fell to the ground before David in deep respect. Where have you come from? David asked. I have escaped from the Israelite camp, the man replied. What happened? David demanded. Tell me how the battle went. The man replied, Our army, our entire army, fled from battle. Many of the men are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. How do you know Saul and Jonathan are dead? David demanded the young man. The man answered, I happened to be on Mount Keboa, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the enemy chariots and charioteers closing in on him. When he turned and saw me, he cried out for me to come to him. How can I help? He asked him. He responded, Who are you? I am an Amalekite, he told him. Then he begged me, Come over here and put me out of my misery, for I am in terrible pain and I want to die. So I killed him, the Amalekite told David, for I knew he couldn't live. Then I took his crown and his armband, and I have brought them here to you, my lord. David and his men tore their clothes in sorrow when they heard the news. They mourned and wept and fasted all day for Saul and Jonathan, for the Lord's army and for the nations of Israel, because they had all died by the sword that day. Then David said to the young man who had brought the news, Where are you from? He replied, I am a foreigner, an Amalekite who lives in your land. Why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one? David asked. Then David said to one of his men, Kill him. So the man thrust his sword into the Amalekite and killed him. You have condemned yourself, David said, for you yourself confessed that you killed the Lord's anointed. Then David composed a funeral song for Saul and Jonathan, and he commanded that it be taught to all the people of Judah. It is known as the Song of the Bow and is recorded in the book of Jasher. You, your joy and pride, O Israel, lies dead on the hills. O the mighty heroes have fallen. Don't pronounce the news in Gath. Don't proclaim it in the streets of Ashkelon. Or to the daughters of the Philistines, they will rejoice, and the pagans will laugh in triumph. O mountains of Geboah, that there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fruitful fields producing offerings of grain. For there the shield of the mighty heroes was defiled. The shield of Saul will no longer be anointed with oil. The bow of Jonathan was powerful, and the sword of Saul did mighty work. They shed the blood of their enemies, and they pierced their bodies of many, of mighty heroes. How beloved and gracious were Saul and Jonathan. They were together in life and in death. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. O women of Israel, weep for Saul, for he dressed you in luxurious scarlet clothing. 
in garments decorated with gold. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies dead on the hills. How I weep for you, my brother Jonathan. Oh, how much I loved you. And your love for me was deep, deeper than the love of women. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. Stripped of their weapons, they lie dead. What an amazing moment when all of this has happened. And what I really want us to take away from this is David has been chased like a dog <laughs> for years from Saul. For years, all he's wanted to do was be at peace. When he was in the household of Saul, treating him as a spiritual father, Saul tried to kill him. Multiple times, he threw spears at David. Finally, David had to leave, flee for his life. He had to send his family off to live in a foreign land because he was afraid of what Saul would do and chased him everywhere until he had to go live in a foreign land. And just constantly, his life was in danger because of Saul. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but I would think for a lot of us, we would really struggle with wanting vengeance, wanting you know some kind of retribution for what had happened. But then when it finally happened, look at the heart of David. You know what true healing looks like? Is when you can mourn with your enemies, when you can celebrate with your enemy's success. It doesn't mean what they did is right. It doesn't mean that they don't need justice for what happened. But it's when you no longer glory in their failure. That's what true healing looks like. When you know you've truly been able to walk in forgiveness with someone is when you are able to no longer be bitter at their life. And can I tell you, I know so many people that struggle with unforgiveness. I heard someone say one time that unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping your neighbor dies of smoke inhalation. (laughs) All it does is destroy you in return. You know what unforgiveness is? Unforgiveness is a cancer and it's a poison that will destroy all the beautiful things in your life. That's why it's so important to allow God to bring healing and true forgiveness to our life. You know what forgiveness is not? Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. Forgiveness is not saying that it wasn't a big deal. Forgiveness isn't saying you can be friends again. Or Forgiveness is not saying that you're going to let them have access to your life anymore. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to let what you did to me determine my future. But instead, I'm going to give you over to the Lord. That's what forgiveness is. And it is apparent that David had walked in forgiveness to the point that when his enemies were finally killed, when Saul was finally gone, he didn't celebrate it. He mourned over the loss. This is my prayer for you. In life, people are going to hurt us. People are going to misuse and abuse us. That doesn't make us victims because they don't have control over us anymore. What They may have done horrible things to us, but we determine our future, not them. And that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to let what you did to me determine my future. Instead, I am going to let you go and I'm going to give you to God. It's apparent that's what happened to David. My prayer for you as we walk through 2 Samuel is that you'll realize that you have been called by God to do great things. Now, I don't know what that greatness looks like. It might be everyday faithfulness. It might be being the best father or mother you can be, being the best spouse that you can be, being faithful where you work to be, an example of what a Christ follower looks like. I don't know what faithfulness and great things is God's got planned for you in this season of your life. But what I can say is God doesn't call you because you're qualified. He calls you and then he qualifies you for the work that you have. And one of the first things that God wants to do 
is he wants to bring healing through forgiveness so that you can walk into your future that God has planned. That's my prayer for you as we get started. Is as we continue to do this, God will walk with you to let you find healing so you can find true forgiveness and you can move forward into all God has. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the beginning of this great journey through 2 Samuel. Lord, I can't wait to get into all the wonderful things that you did through the life of David. And as we see that, we can see that, God, if you did that through him, God, you have a plan for us as well. Lord, we realize that the Bible is not about us. The Bible is about you. And it's about what you can do in the lives of others. And so, Lord, we don't, we don't look to the Bible to find ourselves. We look to the Bible to find you. And when we see you, we see what you can do in all other areas of life. And so we submit ourselves to your authority. We take this long journey. And we ask you, God, to speak to us throughout this book. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God's word says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. God wants to establish an eternal covenant with you that lasts from now to eternity as he qualifies the cult. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 2 Samuel chapter 